You're listening to audio from the Village Church, a community that's formed by the gospel and sent on God's mission, gathering weekly in the heart of downtown Hamilton, Ohio. For more information about the village or to connect with us, you can find us online at myvillagechurch.com. Good morning. Today's focal passage is in the Gospel of John, chapter 12, verses 27 to 36. Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this purpose I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. The crowd that stood there and heard it said that it had thundered. Others said, An angel is for your sake, not mine. Now is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to show by what kind of death he was going to die. So the crowd answered him, We have heard from the law that the Christ remains forever. How can you say that the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? So Jesus said to them, The light is among you for a little while longer. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. The one who walks in the darkness does not know where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light that you may become sons of light. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated and the children are dismissed to their classes. Good morning. My name is Michael. I'm one of the pastors here. Just right off the bat, we're going to sort something out. Like, are we a church that claps or not? Because that, like, if not, that's fine. And if so, like, but... You know, like, the coffee bar started to clap at one point. It was like John Bell. Just, can we be unified in that? Um, please. Uh, would you pray with me? And we'll, we'll talk about how uh, it is our purpose that allows us to, to persevere. We see that in the life of Jesus. We'll see that in our own life. Pray with me. God, thanks for just the joy that we have to be together and to sing to you and about you and, and to pray and to sit under your word together and to grow and to listen and to learn and to be formed and shaped by your good news and to be sent out with the same good news. Would you show us today how your faithfulness to your purpose persevered you to live the life that you did? Um, and would you show us the, the invitation that 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 brings us into that, that we get to live through the purpose that we have, that you have set aside for us, and we get to persevere by, by your faithfulness. We thank you for your love for us. Thank you for Jesus. Amen. Uh, all pro NFL football player J.J. Watt, he said this. He said, my goal every offseason is to create the best athlete I can create and then give it to the coaches and let them use it how they want. That's pretty cool. I mean, I don't know if J.J. Watt's the real deal. He seems like a nice guy. I don't think he's been canceled yet. He's still like on commercials and stuff, so like he's probably okay. But uh, I don't know what he's like off the field, whatever, but, but he seems like a decent dude. But just this perspective is really interesting. My goal every offseason is to create, and he's not talking about Madden, you know, player creation. Like he's talking about his, his own self, his, his own body. I want to use my body. I want to create the best athlete that I can possibly create. And then when it comes time to play football, I want to give it to the coaches. They want to use me. That's pretty cool. 
There's lots to learn in that, and certainly about, you know, work ethic, certainly about humility, certainly about submission to authorities and other stuff, um, about passion and how dedication to purpose determines our life practices. And I'm sure there are days where that's hard for him, but as a, as a way of life, he, he has determined in himself that he's a football player, and that's what he's going to live for. But, but this, beyond that, because I know that most of you don't play in the NFL, uh, beyond that, it invites you know, a question and a response for us. And we talked about this a little bit last week, like, what is your purpose? Like, why are you living? What is it that, that you're striving for? And how does that purpose shape the life that you live? What are you living for, and how does that shape your day to day? Now, some, they don't consider that at all, and they live for, for any other thing, for the next best thing, for whatever comes their way, that's what they're living for. And, and when we live our life that way, we are like ships tossed to and fro. And I don't know if you've ever seen video, or, or maybe you've been on one, but of like huge ships in the ocean, like 90 feet waves. It's, it's frightening. But could you imagine just not having an engine and just floating along wherever those waves take you? That's what you're doing when you haven't decided why you're living. You're just, just wherever you end up is where you're going. And, and it's like the, uh, the classic, you know, like vacation, kids in the back seat. Like, are we there yet? And you're just like, I don't know because I don't know where we're going. Like, sure, we're here or we're not. And maybe that changes. And so you, you, you don't know where you're going and you wouldn't know if you ever got there. And that's a problem. But specifically, for those in Christ... We have to wrestle with the question, like, why are we living? For those who are in Christ, we get to live a purpose that's sculpted by the life of Jesus. That's kind of, kind of a fundamental basis for those who live in Christ, that our life is not our own. And like, maybe you've never even come to the point in your life where you've decided that. And what I would encourage you today is, is if you think that you're, you're a Christian, you're living a life in Christ, and you've not come to the place where you said, my life is not my own, you should start there, even right now. So my life is not my own. And so, so if that's us, then, then our lives are sculpted by the life of Jesus. Those in Christ, they don't get to go our own way, no matter what songs we might sing, right? And, and we don't get to do our own thing. We get to go his way, and we get to do his thing, and, and we are best when we are doing that. So, so all those things, they matter when life is easy and comfortable. Like, what are you living for? Well, that matters when things are easy and comfortable, but it really matters when things are really difficult. Like, maybe when your life is on the line, yeah, that really matters, but, but even when life is, is heavy and, and really difficult and we're navigating difficult seasons or, or, or whatever it is, like, like it's true in, in marriage, and I think that's a good maybe example. Most of you probably know that Kim and I got married really, you know, we got married young. We were 20 years old, and, and we were full-time college students, and we were working full-time and, you know, never slept and all those things, and it was, it was, really, it was really difficult. Um, I wouldn't change it, and I, like, we wouldn't change that. I also don't know if, like, I could, 
I could do that. You know, I'm, I'm 40 years old. I'm an old man now, you know, like it, it looked different. So we're 20 years old. And we're just like, yeah, that's what you do. And, and so we're like, yeah, we're going to do this and we're going to continue. Yeah, we're going to get married and we're going to have to support ourselves and we're going to have to work to make enough money to eat ramen and whatever. And, and then we're going to have to get ourselves up and, and get ourselves ready and, and go to, to class most of the time. Kids all the time. Um, and then we have to work and we have to like do the things that we're responsible for. And we, we, we got to be a part of the church at that time because it was a priority. And so there's just so many things and, and friendships and relationships and, and, and all those things is really tough. And, and at some point, like we had to come to terms like I'm not married for myself, but there's a greater vision for marriage. And we grew into that and we're still growing into that. But but finishing college or any of those things, there was like a, a pin at the end of our journey and it was like, we can do, we can go through hard things because at the end of this, there's like something much better. And, you know, or, or before we got married, it's when we get married, then life will be, and then and it was, you know, all kinds of other stuff. And then, and then when we graduate, then, you know, we'll both be teachers, we'll get the summers off, this will be great. Here we are, Right? Here I am, working in the summer. Look at me. I'm just kidding. Um, so, so the idea is that, is that, man, even just to be, to be faithful and committed to one another, like in those difficult seasons, it was we're looking beyond that, and this is really tough, but there was like a time coming. And so it was our purpose in, in committing to that life that, that allowed us to persevere in that life. And that's the main idea that we're looking at today is, is purpose is the key to persevere when things get tough. That's true for anything, not just in marriage, but, but in singleness by design or, or by choice or, or just whatever you're going through or, or education or vocation or, or like life pursuits. But it's certainly true of our life in Christ. And so here's the scene we're in John chapter 12. We've been looking at the life of Jesus for 12 chapters, like what seems like, I don't know, it's been six months or something like that. And uh, we're, we're looking in verse 27, and we see this, this little snippet of Jesus and his father interacting. And so Jesus says this. He says, now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this purpose I have come to this hour. Jesus is, he's confessing that he's troubled. His anguish pushes him to pray. And then he reminds himself of his purpose. Like, like it's, it's, it's him and his father who've been together forever backwards and will be forever future. And he's saying like, this is what it's all been about. It's, it's almost like a, uh, you know, you rally the team. There's like a, a coach's pep talk, only he's talking to himself. And he's not fragile, but he's purposed. And in, in all this confession, he reminds himself of what's true. This is really difficult. I'm, I'm literally in anguish, Father, but, but what am I going to do? What am I going to ask you to, to take me away from this? Because I know that this is what I came here to do. So at the end of his life, the last week of his life, the last few days of his life, J.C. Ryle, he tells us this, uh, of this. He says, nothing can ever explain our Lord's trouble of soul. But here and in Gethsemane, in just a couple days, he'll, he'll, he'll pray to the point of where he's sweating blood because of his anguish. Except the old doctrine that he felt the burden of man's sin 
pressing him down. It was the mighty weight of a world's guilt imputed to him and meeting on his head, which made him groan and agonize and cry, now is my soul troubled. Forever let us cling to that doctrine, not only as untying the knot of the passage before us, which I love, because sometimes just to let you all know, like, you know, we, we talk about preaching and sermons, like they don't just unravel. There's not a book that you go to and say, just say these words. And sometimes it feels like untying a knot and sometimes your fingers hurt at the end of it. So I just love that. He says it, it's, it's untying the knot of this passage before us, but, but as the only ground of solid comfort for the heart of a Christian, that our sins have been really laid on our divine substitute and borne by him, and that his righteousness is really imputed to us and accounted ours. This is the real warrant for Christian peace. Others call this, you know, the, the divine uh, substitute or, or, or the greatest substitute. Uh, him in our place, us in his place. And so, so we look at this and we say, well, what, what is the purpose in the plan of Jesus? And how does that shape us the same way in the first thing? we get to see is that he has purposed to glorify God. I want to read uh, starting in verse 28. So this is his kind of response uh, as he's continuing on in anguish. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it and I will glorify it again. And the crowd stood there and heard it and said that it had thundered. Others said an angel has spoken to him, and Jesus answered, and this is great, uh, this voice has come for your sake, not mine. He's like, a big voice from heaven, and he's like, he's talking to you guys, like I hear him all the time. That's what he's saying. So we see his purpose to glorify God. Jesus has a, a hard responsibility in front of him. Jesus, he's not clicking his heels while he walks the road to the cross. Like he's, He's going to bear the weight of all sin for all who would believe. And it's, it's really difficult. He knows what's in front of him, and he knows the cost of what's in front of him. We have not carried this burden that Jesus does, but we do understand what it's tough conversations and, and to go through moments or seasons that are really difficult. And, and we get to say, well, do I go left or do I go right? Or do I do the right thing or the wrong thing? Or do I leave or do I stay or, or, or this guy or, or this other guy or, or whatever it is? And, and just so we know this, you have loads of freedom. Like it's, it's really limiting when we say like this is God's plan for my life. And I have to like search and seek and find that dot of plan. Like I think God knows that, that all of life doesn't depend on us finding what we need to find. Because if it did, then we would just never find it. So there's loads of freedom in the way that we make life choices. It's not A or B or, or C. It's, it's we have a, a lot of freedom to navigate all those difficult things in life. But when we have the opportunity to please God or to pave our own way apart from him, to, to obey him or to rebel against him, or, or to walk in righteousness or to fulfill sin within us. 
This is the reminder that we must play. Jesus, he lays his heart before his dad, before the crowd. And, and today, uh, as John has written this, even, even before us, and he responds, but for this purpose, I've come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. And so the word glory is multifaceted. It, it means weight in some sense. But here it means to, to lift up, or I always think of like to to like shine light on, to make it, you know, to make it seen or to make it known. And, and this is hard, is what he's saying. But it's also why I am here. And it's, and, and it's what's before me. And it's, and it's the way that I must walk. And in the way that I must walk, the highest aim of Jesus is God's glory. So what he's saying is, in a, in a J.J. Watt type way, like created me the best athlete and give it to the coaches. coaches. And he's like, I've lived this life. This has always been the plan. And, and I've always walked in obedience, and here I am. Father, would you do with me what you need to do to carry out your purpose, your plan, and to receive all of the glory? Jesus, the living word, God made flesh, always been, eternal son. He, he's the agent of God in creation. He holds all things together, and he's troubled in spirit. Like, Jesus is fully God, and Jesus is fully man. And at times we see, like, those components, like, bubble to the surface, and he's never less one than the other. But here we see, like, some human element. And, and we see him be troubled in his spirit, and he turns to his Father, and, and he self-talks his, his purpose as the power to see their plans through. And his purpose is to give God glory. Now, there are some alternatives to doing that, some things that he could have done, some things that, that we could do uh, that, that may have gotten in the way of him and that may get in the way of us living for God's name. One is like self-preservation. That's, that's not best for me. I don't want to do that. It's the end of his life. He knows what he's about to, to walk into. He, he knows that he's going to carry the shame and the guilt and, and the sin of all who would call upon his name. And he might say, you know what, like, that's just not good for me today, so like, I'm going to do something else. Or maybe it's, it's self-glory that gets in the way. Like, I don't want to glorify God right now. I want to receive glory. And, and I know I'm drawn into that. C certainly, we have that opportunity in front of us. I don't want to be shamed. I don't want to be embarrassed Jesus, I, I don't want to look weak. I flung the stars. Like, I don't want them to win today. I, I want to win. It, I, know, I knew that this would come at a cost, but today it, it costs too much. I, I want to receive glory. Or maybe it's just self-defense. Like, like, I don't want to carry the responsibility of others because it's, it's their problem, not mine. Father, I never sinned against you. Never, not once. And you're telling me that, that I have to carry their problem? I have to fix their problem? And so you can imagine how all those things show up for us. Like to live for God's, God's honor, it looks like laying down his innocent life and dying a sinner's death. That's what it looks like for Jesus. He gives up self 
self-preservation and self-glory and self-defense to preserve and to defend us for his Father's glory. But for us, it could look a thousand different ways. It could look all kinds of ways. But here's some beauty. Facing judgment for sin, that's not one of the ways. That's not something that we have to do. Do you believe that? If you believe that they'll settle accounts and you believe that you're not able to live the life that he has called us to live, that we have sinned against him, we have rebelled against him since our youth, and we continue to do that, then he will settle accounts. And so, so what, we, what, what we must understand is it is Jesus that's facing the judgment and we don't have to walk in this type of faithfulness that Jesus, is, Jesus alone is doing on our behalf. But it does mean that we get to prioritize his name over our own. And sometimes that can be really difficult. Like, you've probably heard the commandment, like, of the, the Ten Commandments. Like, don't take the Lord's name in vain. And you thought that that meant don't add the word God to any cuss word that you're getting ready to say. And you're like, man, that, like, a, there are just ten of them, right? And there are lots more later on, but there are just ten of them. And, like, that's what he said? Like, that just seems... Because that's not what it means. Like, you don't do that, all right? But that's not what it means. It means don't wear God's name in vain. It means like, like in, in a few minutes when we respond and, and those who are in Jesus by, by faith respond and we take communion, it means you're declaring whose team you're on. You're saying his life, not my own. And the reality is we do that publicly together as often as we do on Sundays or whatever, but you do that in the world outside, up those stairs, up that elevator, and down the alley to your car, and, and then wherever you go from there. You're wearing his name, and, and those who profess Christ, they, they wear his name, and what he's saying is don't be inconsistent. If you're wearing his name, then, then you get to live out his ways for his name, and, and trusting whatever that means for us to his care, not our own. It, it, it also means, uh, well, last week we talked about this and we said that, that kind of our purpose is, is conformity to Christ as, as, a, as, as the way that we live our life in Christ is that we'd be conformed to his image. That life gives look like him when we live like him, when we live through him, then, then our life sh shines bright light on the glory of God, not on ourselves. Another way that this can show up is, is joyful obedience was always just brutal and it always went against what I wanted to do. But then what I find out is, is that, man, it's, it's his love for me that transforms my love for him. And it's not the other way around. It's not me doing all the things right so that he might love me. And, and that changes everything about the way that I get to obey him. Gosh, he loved me. And he invites me into a way of life that shines light on him. And that's what I get to do. His glory is my gain. Our purpose for, for his renown causes our heart to beat in ways that the things of the world, they, they never can. And what it means that for those who are in Christ, as we mature and we're sculpted by him, it means that our deepest desires are to obey him, not to run from him. Look, and, and I know that gets tough. 
And I know that sin lurks seemingly behind every corner. And, and our hearts long for, for many other things, but, but when we can like, like fight through the weeds and we can say, okay, I did something stupid that dishonored his name, but, but what do I want in the heart, in the, in the core of who I am? I want to please God, right? And if you don't, then, then we have like other issues to untangle. The, the thing about this purpose to live for God's glory, it's, it's not a destination. It's the thing, it's, it's, it's not, oh gosh, but when we graduate, life will be, it's, it's not that. It's the journey and it's every road and it's every stop along the way. It's, it's what we do with all that we have, with every breath, with every moment, with every dollar, with every gift, talent, ability, relationship, opportunity, every win and every loss, every success and every failure. All of it gets to be conformed by this purpose to give God glory. God's glory, it's not like, it's like this is our life, this is the pie of our life, and, and like I have to make sure that there's some time in there this week where I'm like giving God glory. That's, that's not the life that we're invited to live. That, that's not the pie that we get to eat. But, but it's for those who are in Christ, it is the entire pie is God's glory. So everything that you have, Gets to, gets to flow through this lens that we get to live for God's glory. It reshapes our purpose in everything that we do. It's one thing to say, like, man, yeah, God's honor above everything else. But, but when it costs, it's way more difficult. Which is why Jesus will, will sweat blood in a couple days. It's why he's, he's in anguish right now. When we don't get to, like for, for us in this life, when, when we don't get to pursue those desires of our heart, you get to decide. And what's my purpose? Is it, to, is it to just wildly chase after everything that my heart tells me that it wants? Or is it to, to bring glory to God, when when we get to defend the helpless or or the innocent and and lose social status, think of a high school scene where where things are going bad for someone, and you have uh, a voice to say, "Hey, hey, guys, stop!" And you know, in that moment, that could cost you greatly. the The, the thing that that high schoolers or middle schoolers or elementary school or grown adults in the break room at work, like whatever it is, the thing that, that costs you more than anything else, it's not money, it's social status. And so you get to say, do I get to live for God's glory? Or in that moment, do I just contribute and act like one of them so that I win the day? Maybe it's remaining faithful to vows long after the butterflies are gone. And you might lay in bed at night and say, this is not what I signed up for, and this is really tough. You can dip, or you can fight for it, and you can say, God, your glory, I'm not asking you to be in a relationship that puts you in harm or anything like that. But what I'm saying is, is, is we don't get to just leave and like, the, you know why people separate more often than, than any other thing. Like, we just don't love each other anymore. And like, we're just not in it. And what I want you to know is like, that's not an excuse to be unfaithful to your spouse, to your vows, 
or to the Lord and what he's invited us into. It can look a, a thousand other ways. It's, it's living life in community when it's difficult. God's honor on my own. Having tough conversations. It takes work to live life together with other broken people just like you. Or maybe it's living in disappointment and living a life that you would have never written for yourself day in, day out. You're like, this is not when I was 12 years old and then I wrote my dreams in my notebook. This is not the life that I wrote. And yet, it's the life that you have. And you get to decide today, am I going to live for God's glory or, or for the glory of another? Or maybe it's just the mundane Alarm rings, get up, work hard, come home, eat, sleep, repeat, day in, day out, day in, day out. And what I'm telling you is, is this faithfulness that Jesus demonstrates to persevere through the purpose that, that his father was inviting him into in this moment is what reshapes your mundane Alarm, work, eat, sleep, life. If that's, if that's your lot for the rest of your days, you can still do that for the glory of God. That's what we're being invited into today. So at, at the end of this little section here, uh, remember John writes, so that we might believe, and that means that we get to understand and, and we get to behold and, and, and all these things. Well, this helps. We see in, in uh, 29, then a voice came from heaven, I have and I will glorify my name. And then the, the crowd around was like, was that, it's like thunder? It's like words through thunder? Was that an angel? Like what literally is happening? And God only does this a couple times in all of the scriptures where he, where he shows up certainly in the New Testament three times, I think, at baptism, at transfiguration here where he shows up and he says words. And, and why only those times? I, I have no idea. But what I do know is, is he's showing his, his unbroken union with Jesus and his, his full-on approval of Jesus. And what it does for us is it shows us behind the curtain a little bit how Jesus, the one sent from God, interacts with, with the Father. What a sweet little window in there, right? The second thing we see is, is that that he is purposed to oppose the enemy. John 12, 31. Now is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. The gospel is the good news of God reconcile, reconciling sinners to himself. And, and we'll get to that in a minute. But, but it's... it's it's also the story of judgment against sin and sinners because God is uh, delivering justice. And it's also the story of triumph over all evil and over Satan, the ruler of this world himself. Jesus came into the world to destroy him who holds the power of death, even the devil, and to free us, to free those held captive to fear and sin and death. So while there's a lot of debate about what this looks like, 
what this will play out like? Like, is, is this some future thing where, where Satan is bound? Is, is he bound in some special way where, where he's unable to deceive the nations in, in full-on wickedness right now? I, I don't know all of those things, but, but what I do know, what is sure is that Satan's defeat has already been secured by Jesus on the cross. And for us, that, that changes the way that we live. One says it this way. Satan's defeat has already been secured and the clock is ticking on his ultimate demise. His present flurry of fury, say that three times fast, by him and, uh, and his kingdom is actually a sign that he knows his time is short. So again, it's, it's the purpose of Jesus to glorify God and then as it goes on, and to oppose the enemy of this world that compels him to see this through. And this means something for us. It means that you are not destined to live a life of sin. It, it means that you have been set free. That the old is dead and the new has come. It means that you're no longer slave to sin, but, but now you get to be a slave to righteousness. That's, that's foundational Christian doctrine, and sometimes I just forget that. You're no longer a slave to sin. That you don't have to just throw your hands up in the air and say, why even try? Because your, your victory has been secured. It means that you have a protector and a provider that's stronger than you. It means that you have a protector and a provider that's stronger than any enemy that comes your way. It means that your only hope in life and death is that you are not your own, but that you belong to God who has secured life eternal for you. And he's given you victory in himself over your final enemy, death, hell, and Satan. It means that you have a, a future in front of you that overcomes the broken, hard, dark pieces and places of this life. It means that you get to join the work of overcoming darkness by living in light of the light and shining him to others, loving God and loving others with all that you have. And it means, that, it means that you're not alone in that purpose. It means that you're not alone in that plan. It means that you're not alone in that pursuit. But, but he is with you. And not only is, is he with you, but you are with others. Even in this room today. Others who, who are struggling, who are in anguish, but who are committed to fighting this fight. I don't know if you've seen the, the meme, uh, it, it says this, if I'm a Christian but don't need the church was a photo, and it's a pack of zebras, and then there's like uh, 50 yards, like a zebra running, like a small zebra running for its life, and then the lion, like, and all but has it. You can visualize that? So I'll say this again, if I'm a Christian but don't need the church, if that was a photo, that's you. And, and you might say, well, I'm like, I don't live that way. I, I get it. And, and there are some people who say, like, I love Jesus, but it's, 
you know, it's, it's the church that, I'm, that I can't stand or whatever. And, and just saying, that's, that's like literally saying, I love someone's face, but not the rest of them. Like Jesus is the head of the church, and we are his body. And look, we are a disaster. Like we're a mess, but we are redeemed and we're being conformed to his image. Like when Jesus died, the church was, uh, well, they killed him. They weren't, they weren't wearing their Sunday best, right? They weren't doing all things well. That's who he laid down his life for, and that's who we get to live our life with. This is a picture of that. I don't, I don't need the church, and, and that might mean that you say, well, yeah, I show up here every week, and, and, I, and I come late, and I, and, I, and I leave early, and I have one objective, and that's not to talk to another human, but man, I'm here in person I would say, like, come a little early, stay a little late. All right, and for those who are part of this family, your friends will be here later. Look, look for that person who's just looking to be a part of this family, but doesn't have a way in. And look, it's a two-way street, right? Look at the website or fill out a connect card or whatever. We can help you connect to a community group. I know it's awkward to show up at someone's house. You don't know. You're by yourself. That's weird. It's weird for me. But it's also, it's also what we're freed to do. Like, we're not made to, to go this alone. We don't have to go it alone. But, but we have been invited into a victory that we get to live in his purpose was to oppose the enemy, and, and we get to benefit from that by living together, opposing the enemy together. And the last thing is this. <clears throat> He's purpose to draw people near. Like, we'll, we'll tidy up some of this stuff next week. But he says, I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. And this is significant in, in two ways. He's lifted up. This was, as John tells us, this was to show what kind of death he would die. See, when, when I'm lifted up, they knew, it wasn't like Jesus was the only one ever crucified. He's just the only one crucified that, that was the son of God that never sinned uh, in his entire life. This was a, a common way to die. And so when I am lifted up, boom, put on the cross, carry that thing, raised up to, to be on display, a, a full spectacle. That's what he's saying. When, when I am lifted up, right, it's, it's all uh, getting unveiled. He's speaking less cryptically and more directly. He's telling them, I'm going to die. I will be raised on a cross, and, and in that act of sacrifice, he will accomplish his purpose. Like consider the, the idea of being lifted up, like, you know, unveiling a, a king's statue and there's a drape over it and three, two, one, and you, you pull it down and everyone looks and, oh gosh, look at the honor or, or like some, you know, art exhibit similarly or some centennial celebration or like at King's Island. King's Island's like 50 years old. Hey, happy birthday. And like at King's Island, you know, fireworks and it looks like the future for them to celebrate Kings of the earth are lifted to be revered and honored. Jesus, the king of all kings, is lifted to be hanged, beaten, bloodied, and to die. That's what he means when I'm lifted up. And then the second part is, is 
I will draw all people to myself. If, if any should meet God, drawn by God himself, and the driving emotion of that, that purpose of God shows up in this love for his people. And here he shows his love in the way that he will die and in the result of his death. This cross that Jesus speaks of, it brings glory to God by bringing sinners together back to him. Sinclair Ferguson, he says it this way. He says, the cross is at the heart of the gospel. It makes the gospel good news. Christ died for us. He has stood in our place before God's judgment seat. He has borne our sins God has done something on the cross which we can never do for ourselves, but God does something to us as well as for us through the cross. He persuades us that he loves us. I know that's tough to receive from some. Some are just numb to that idea. But on the cross and in this lifting up and, and drawing people near, Jesus is, is walking in his purpose and he's persuading all who would see him that he loves us. Arms raised, glorifying his father, defeating our enemy, drawing us near. Won't you come? Would you receive my love? Just after that, the crowd cries and, and they say like, well, what gives? We heard that the Christ remains forever, that, <clears throat> that he's a king that, that will stand on the throne forever. And you're telling me that one, you are the Messiah, you are the one, you are the Savior, you're the Christ, and that you're going to die? Like, I don't, I don't understand. And Jesus says, <clears throat> the light is among you for a little while. Like the opportunity for you to come to me has, has a window, and that window will close. He says, walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. Come to me while I'm made visible, because there will be a time when you'll be stumbling, and you'll be searching, and you'll find nothing, because there will be no light. Don't walk as the blind, he says. While you have light, believe and become sons of light. And here's the thing. Today, we have light. And it's not Jesus walking around, but it's his word preserved, empowered by the Spirit, sent out by his church, by us. And we have the same opportunity to walk in the light. Purpose is, is the key to persevere when things get tough. My goal every off-season is to create the best athlete I can create and then give it to the coaches and let them use it how they want. Man, for each of us, we have been given a gift beyond all gifts when Christ was faithful to live out his purpose. He, he came to, to glorify his Father. He came to defeat our enemy, and he came to draw us near. And because he has walked those steps, the invitation stands for us to join him the same. I mean, to, it, it might look, the band can come on up. It might look <clears throat> for you just some super simple way. You know what? 
Like, I'm going to commit to community. I'm, I want to show up, and I want to, I want to try to live life together, connect to a community group or whatever. Maybe it looks like serving, and, and you, you come to a place where you're like, I, I'm going to commit to serving. I, I've been just consuming but you know what? I'm going to start contributing through the things that God is giving me and, and, and I want to serve and give and share and invite. Or maybe just the most basic thing that you get to confess your sin, confess your need for grace, repent from the life that you've been living apart from God and trust His grace demonstrated by His love that He offers. And if you want to do any of those things or, or any other thing you can sit right where you are. You can stand up and sing. You can go over there to the prayer bench. You can pray with someone back by that red tree. They would love to pray with you. My wife and I will be back by uh, at the end of this aisle right here. If you're in Christ, you can respond by taking communion. And, and it's just we get to remember and declare that he reconciled us back to God. And that came at a great cost. That was him carrying out his purpose that his body would be broken and his blood would be spilled. Would you pray with me? God, thanks for your goodness and your love for us. And thank you, Jesus, that, that you reminded yourself of the purpose before you when things were really difficult. I pray right now for the ones who are uh, walking in that and, and bearing significant weight and, and might be tempted to to forsake you or walk from you or rebel against you, that they would be faithful, not because they're great, but because you're great. Not because we always get it right, but because you got it right every single time. And our lives are knit together with yours by grace, through faith. We love you and we thank you for your love for us. In Jesus' name.